Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Dale Walker. I want to welcome you to our Leadership Podcast. We are looking at how to become leaders that lead like Jesus. I'm excited to have you listening. If you want the notes on this, you can get them at dalewalker.life. There's also a lot of other resources to help you grow in your leadership. Share this with someone if you are blessed. I know you will be. God bless you. Uh, good. They're still coming. All right. Welcome, Sabora. Good to have you. And Irma, thank you all for joining us. And so this, I, I always love this idea of shifting the atmosphere that literally it's still almost mind blowing that in some way God has given us the keys of his kingdom to release heaven on earth to bring the presence and peace of, of, of heaven to the chaos and the pain of earth. And that's always just fascinated me that he would give us that authority. And so uh, when I talked about this, I'll give you a few, just a few summary, because ho hopefully that you've been able to listen to, uh, to the podcast. But we mentioned in there that number one, atmospheres are important. <laughs> that many times it's it's not just the physical things that we're doing, but it's the atmosphere of a room. And remember, Jesus in his hometown could do no mighty works there because of an atmosphere of unbelief. Does does atmospheres make sense to you all? Have you walked into a room and either felt real excited or real down you know what i'm talking about okay just be sure i'm i'm connecting on that but the bible uh speaks in terms of atmospheres that there is there's a physical realm and then there is a spiritual realm obviously some atmospheres are caused just by moods that people are in and they're just human uh the source is human it's our own somebody with a bad attitude can create a bad atmosphere but then there is also this realm, we call it the spiritual realm, where we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against spirits and powers of darkness. And we find in the Bible words like a spirit of fear. Um, I don't know, have you ever discerned something This is that, that's more than just the room? You, you feel like... I feel like people are, are being choked in here. I feel like people are, there is such anger in this room. I could cut it with a knife. And it's not just natural. It's, uh, it, there's something even bigger than the natural. So that's what I'm talking about. Uh, these demonic, act, demonic activity that the Bible says is Satan's plan to blind people from the light of God. So he, he causes not just a kind of an idea of, metaphorically darkness, but a darkness of, of an atmosphere that's over people. Uh, there's words, especially I think we can identify in this pandemic, a spirit of heaviness and that Jesus came to, uh, to replace a spirit of heaviness with a garment of praise. There is the joy of gladness. That's an atmosphere. I like that atmosphere, <laughs> the oil of gladness rather, uh, these this these different things and one of the huge parts of ministry and what i want to share about this is because if you're going to minister even to your own family 
or you're going to minister at work, how you pray about the atmosphere is going to matter. It really is. You are called to be, as we say, a thermostat, not a thermometer. You're called to shift something in the room so that you can minister something from the Lord. And you've heard me tell my story and the kissing the face of God, but, but just about going into a nursing home and they're all asleep. And no matter what I was doing, uh, you know, they slept more. They were just, it was, they were depressed and it was Christmas. And I simply asked the Lord, Lord, how do I shift the atmosphere? And he said, just go to each one, kiss, kiss them and say, I love you. And by about the third one, the atmosphere shift, they all woke up and we had an amazing Christmas party. But had I tried to just say, well, I'm going to push through this and I'm going to just, we're going to have Christmas whether you like it or not. You know, uh, that's not going to do much. So there was a key to it. And that key to it was, okay, I need to discern the atmosphere. And then I need to ask God for a tool that can change this atmosphere. Um, number one is the atmosphere of our heart. So I, I always mention that you can't change an atmosphere on the outside if you don't change it on the inside. And uh, one great intercessor uh, said it this way. My first responsibility is to rise with a joyful heart. In other words, he said, whatever else I do today, if I don't have the right atmosphere in my heart, I'm not going to change my world. Uh, we, we think of David where the Bible says he strengthened himself in the Lord. His, his own army was going to kill him. And so what does he do? He withdraws and he, and he worships until he feels hope and until he can hear from God. Now, again, let me define what it is to bring heaven to earth. It's the, what I call the awareness of the manifest presence of God. That's what we're trying to bring. When does the atmosphere change? And the classic example is Jacob. He's sleeping on a rock. <laughs> he's a fugitive. He's a wanderer. And in the night, he has a dream of the angels of God. By the way, that's what we understand. This is, you know, not something that we can fully grasp. But we do know angels are deeply involved in atmospheres. And uh, that the Lord, when we release an atmosphere, angelic, beings begin to operate and, and move. And, and that's kind of cool in itself. Um, you know, there's a verse in Matthew, it says with children, in case any of you teach children, it says their angels are, are ever before me. I, you know, so I say, Lord, whatever that angel assigned to so-and-so, <laughs> would you get that angel moving here? Cause so-and-so needs a little help here. But uh, the, the picture of we operate in a spiritual realm, and that's what we're learning. So how do you know the atmosphere shifts? The most important key is people sense something of the manifest presence of God. Oh, Jacob said, God is in this place, and I didn't even know it. And the moment he, he realized God in that place, he went from this fugitive wanderer to this called patriarch. He knew who he was, and he called the place Bethel the house of God. And uh, it changed his life. As, uh, as ministers, very simple. I understand my number one goal in anything I do, I'm not here just to give a lesson to you all today. I, I'm here to facilitate 
an encounter with the presence of God. If you experience something of God's presence today, you're going to change. <laughs> if you just hear Dale talk, probably not much is going to happen. So I'm always saying, Lord, when I prayed for you all before this class, it wasn't God help them learn some things. It was Holy Spirit, let them encounter the manifest presence of God. I know we're going to be reading some Bible verses. So that's where you said you'd come. I know that we prayer because that's where everything changes is when we sense that. Now, understanding shifting an atmosphere has to do with spiritual warfare. It's defining that layer of doom, gloom, emptiness, whatever it is, beyond the natural emotions of people or the situation or circumstance that we're in. Uh, it is realizing that every minute we're in a battle and that we have influence in that realm of spiritual warfare. We, we do things that affect uh, which side is winning in what ways, you know? And so what's the first part of it? I believe so much in the first part of prayer, it has to do with this thing called discernment. Everybody say discernment, <laughs> discernment. And uh, that means the ability to recognize and define between what is of the flesh, our natural self, our mind, what is of the world, what is of God, and what is of the devil. All five of those things are interacting at the same time. So the more carefully I can say, oh, you know, I'm tired right now. No, that's not a spirit of slumber. <laughs> it's because I woke up at three in the morning right now. But other times I'm tired and it doesn't make any sense. This is weird. Something's come on me. This is an attack of the enemy. I'm, I'm feeling heaviness. How do I know it's the enemy? Because I was reading the Bible and I was really getting into it. And then all of a sudden, you know, whatever, you know. So obviously he was attacking something, whatever. Um, and here's the key thing. The key thing is to recognize uh, what's the enemies, what's Satan's number one objective is to get you to believe that he's not here. I mean, his number one strategy is that people won't believe in him. That's his, that's his ultimate strategy of all strategies. Make sure nobody knows I'm around, you know? So a famous general said, if you want to win a battle, first thing you got to do is know your enemy. So what is your enemy going to do? He's going to try to get you to blame what he's doing on somebody else. He's going to try to keep you from discerning that you're in a spiritual battle right now so that you'll fight the wrong person or you'll fight yourself. That's his favorite one. You know, I call it the lies, the labels and the litigation. And he, he's always litigating you. Because his favorite thing is, let me torment them in a way that makes them torment themselves more. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> that they'll want to take their own joy away. So first you got to recognize it. And then once you recognize it, you, you've got to refuse to partner with him. And so how do we partner with God? How do we partner with the enemy? It has to do with choices and words. We, we partner by agreement. You know, if, if the enemy puts in my mind, oh, see, there's Charles. He is an absolute jerk. You hate him, don't you? 
if I say, yeah, <laughs> you know, then I just uh, partner. And so that's what we say around here. Don't invite the devil to your dinner table. You got enough problems. So don't, don't uh, agree with him. Number two, you do it by words, uh, by the mouth, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, everything gets established. That's how you sign the document. Uh, we know words are the major shifters, right? The Bible describes your tongue as a rudder. Uh, Bible speaks of the word as not returning void. The words go forth and they produce things. And one of the biggest things they produce is they produce an atmosphere. So if I'm speaking criticism, I can guarantee you in a very short time, I am not just being critical of people. I'm partnering with a critical spirit. So has anyone ever known someone with a critical spirit? It's like they can't help but criticize. It's just, it's just like they don't even know they're doing it. It's now just breathing for them. Well, no, they have partnered with a spirit of uh, a critical spirit till it's it's begun to have a stronghold. The same thing, like I say, with um, complaining, with despair, with fear. Uh, so that's why the Bible speaks so much about your words. Uh, you're going to be justified by your words and you're going to be condemned by your words. Uh, I like to just say, see it as signing a contract. If I speak that word right now, uh, you know, if you're ever tempted and you're saying all of a sudden some stupid word uh, to your spouse, you never loved me. Oh, wow. Devil just got you to try to sign on to a lie. No, go ahead and just cancel that real quick. Right. Because last thing you need is uh, some kind of agreement with the devil. So the opposite, though, is true. And that is that you can break those agreement and come into partnership with God to create environments on earth. Here, here's where I believe it starts. Number one, you can't be a victim and a victor at the same time. So, so you have to decide if you're going to be a victor or a victim, because so much will come out of that. If you're, if you're moaning, if you're, if you're the children of Israel and you partner with that spirit, you may think that you're just making observations, but literally it was a trap so that at the key moment of your life, you won't enter into the destiny God has for you. He did all of that stuff to get them to be murmurers so that he could ultimately steal from them their moment of greatness. Now, the key is not to just renounce and resist, but to replace. The Bible says in James 5, 7 and 8, resist the devil and submit to God. In other words, it's a lot more than just, I bind you devil, I resist you. No, it's, it's not just the negative, but it's replacing that. It's saying this, which the devil meant for evil, I just am believing God means for good. This stage that looks like a setup for defeat, God, you're going to show up on this stage. And, and it's, it's, it's the opposite spirit. I'm replacing it. Let me just ask you, and I, I thought this is uh, something that maybe you can talk about in your breakout, but have you ever had an experience where the darkest time of your life somehow 
right preceded the greatest blessing of God in your life, like a moment of great fear right before great favor, a moment of complete hopelessness. There's just a, a principle that where the devil is messing, God is blessing. And it just seems like there's something happens in the spiritual realm of anticipation. I think God allows in some cases the enemy to sift us like he did Peter. Why? Because it even, it, it begins to teach us spiritual muscles. So that a moment we begin to, to experience this feeling, this mood, this uh, atmosphere, instead of saying, oh no, it's such a terrible, we immediately say, whoa, I just entered in a battle and devil, no way, God's going to use this for good. <laughs> Weeping may be enduring right now. Joy is coming in. You see, you, you immediately start to shift your at, attitude uh, towards those things that, that when they begin. Uh, I would just say probably one of the defining moments, and I, I sorry to give you too many stories, but I get about 19 years old in Bible school. It was one of the worst spiritual attacks I got. I'm living alone in an apartment in California. And I wake up feeling I'm being choked. I feel terror. I don't, you know, and I wasn't that familiar with spiritual warfare at the time. And um, and I'm just I'm just having a full on the only first time I'd ever had a radical panic attack in my life, and it was radical. And uh, just finally, I had just enough faith to say, "Wait a second, God, help me here." And very quickly. I began to, to pray, began to sing a song and ask for a word. And the Lord, the Lord gave me this word. And it was a simple word that as the uh, waters cover the sea, the glory of the Lord shall cover the whole earth. I don't know what that was, but it like, it ignited something. I started getting bold. I got louder and louder. For two hours, I prophesied this until the neighbors at one o'clock in the morning were banging on my wall because I was keeping them awake. It turned out that that was God's call on my life. Dale, you're going to be a carrier of my glory. Your calling is to carry a torch of revival and glory to the nations. And, and yet it was in the time of greatest fear that I got my, one of my greatest words from God. And I'm telling you that because that'll help you shift the atmosphere. If you know, all right, things are looking good for a miracle. I just went broke. I lost my job. I feel pain. Woo, it's about to happen. Hallelujah. That will help you in the shifting uh, process. So here, here is this principle, and you'll use this in, in, in prayer. And that is to realize that prayer like faith is never the absence of fear. Faith is overcoming fear. Faith is feeling fear often at higher levels because it's like climbing, it's like walking on the higher wire. The greater you walk in faith, the higher the wire goes, right? <laughs> when you're a new Christian, your faith is, can I get to church Sunday? But pretty soon, you know, you're, you're, you're on the streets witnessing and now you have to have another level. Does that mean you don't fear? No, it means you fear more. You know, Paul said, I preach with fear and trembling. Why? Because it's like muscles. You, the, the harder it is, the more you build the muscle. And so 
what I believe is this key to shifting is we refusing to be a victim. We take things from the Holy Spirit that normally we think of as just reactions and we turn them into offensive weapons so that we can operate in the opposite spirit. And the moment we operate in the opposite spirit, we discover the spirit that's in me is greater than the spirit that's in the world. And so you see, let's just, we'll just mention a few, peace, joy, love, <laughs> hope. Yeah, all of us normally think of that as something sort of reactionary. Oh, I feel so much peace. I'm by the ocean, uh, you know. So that's, that's one kind of peace. But reality is there's times where peace needs to be a weapon in your life. The classic example is what I preached on Sunday. When you're most stressed, often when you've got too much to do, what does God call you to do? He calls you to solitude, right? <laughs> I got a thousand things to do. Go be still and know that I'm God. Ah! Well, what are you doing? When you come to peace, you are shifting an atmosphere. You are defeating the enemy. You are coming against a spirit of anxiety. And by you coming to peace, you have put the enemy under your feet and you have changed the atmosphere for God. To, and almost always God speaks in solitude, you know. So for me, it's so funny, but one of the number one weapons I need in my life is solitude because of the lifestyle that I live. And that could mean several hours just, I'm never going to get this done. I'm never going to get this done and until, okay, God, is well now. And then, wow, suddenly what I needed to know comes. Uh, joy is probably, uh, I, I really highly recommend, if you haven't seen any of Steve Buckland's work, uh, he, he has the Igniting Hopes Ministry. I just would encourage you to, to look that up on the website. I love to get his daily uh his daily uh, readings. What's his last name? Uh, this, his name is Bachman, but I just put on the chat, Igniting Hope. Go to Igniting Hope. And, uh, but he, he wrote a book called Just, uh, just Laugh at That. And uh, it, 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 it takes you on a spiritual journey about from Psalms 2-4, where it says that he who sits in the heavens will laugh when he sees his enemies, that God literally responds with, with laughter. And, and the idea of what he talks about is just laugh at those lies. When the enemy is telling you, you, your natural reaction is to get very serious. And the devil often loves serious because serious usually means I'm going to strive and I'm going to get, I'm going to try to handle this, you know. And so he believes that laughter is one of the greatest. And the Bible says that, right? Count it all joy when you encounter temptations. The joy of the Lord is your strength. He gives us the oil of gladness for a spirit of heaviness. And so I did that experience. I highly recommend it. And, and that's just make yourself laugh out loud. You're not going to have enough money to make it to the end of the month. <laughs> Just start laughing. Now, some people are going to think you're really weird, but we already know you are, so it's okay. Uh, but you just start laughing. I, I'm serious. I know that sounds weird. One of the things the Lord has been leading me on is just laughing at my flops and, and foibles. 
because one way the enemy has attacked me all the way all through time I was a little kid is an over scrupulous conscience so that if I made a mistake it was like I'm going to die I'm horrible and 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 I I've been prayed for deliverance from that and everything else but what I found out the Lord says I'm going to give you a weapon don't take yourself so seriously the next time you do something really stupid, you're not allowed to beat yourself up, tell yourself how crazy you are. You need to go in your room and just laugh. She's like, boy, that was dumb. No, I'm not talking about doing something sinful. I'm talking about, well, there you go. You know, you, whatever. You, you spilled that again. You forgot that. I got all the way to work almost and forgot my glasses today. I, I could have easily gone home and said, you are a dummy, you know, and I said, I just, I just laughed all the way home. Why? Because I'm shifting an atmosphere about how I see myself. And the joy of the Lord is an incredible weapon against heaviness. Um, same thing with kindness. I put that quote in the sermon I, uh, I did on the podcast, but it, it changed our whole ministry, the Steve Shogren book called Spiritually of Kindness, where he said, if you will just go see the show seeds of kindness into your community. If you sow enough seeds of kindness, you will see people continually coming to Christ. He said, don't worry about, you know, going out there in big sermons. Just go do little things for people. Give them, give them a soda pop. Just go bless them. Because the culture of kindness creates what? The Bible says in Romans 3, it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. So just that little thing. So we could go on with hope and praise. Now, let me just ask, because I'll, I'll say that in the, in the discussion today, but what, what atmospheres have you been dealing with in the pandemic? And obviously we can talk a lot about fear. We can talk a lot, but hopelessness is certainly uh, right at the top of the list. And uh, learning the, the, the secrets of hope are very much tied with encouragement. Uh, you know, the Hebrews 13 verse says that, that the Bible says God has given us the scriptures that we might find hope through the encouragement of his word. Uh, what I've found in this pandemic is we needed to double the amount that we encourage other people uh, because encouragement produces hope you know we need to encourage ourselves we need to write more letters of encouragement we need to encourage people at the store we need to compliment because again hope and despair cannot live in the same vessel and so we create more hope we create more uh, encouragement but let's just close by reading in acts 4 a specific example of using prayer uh and as a way of shifting the atmosphere, and it's one of my favorites, Acts chapter four is when Peter, and John, the others were, uh, had been preached, they, they were preaching about Jesus, they had healed the crippled man, they were standing before uh, the Sanhedrin, and they were being threatened, if you preach anymore in the name of Jesus, we're going to kill you and everything else. And of course, those famous words uh, were that, that we are, you know, we can't help but share what we've seen and heard. And so 
they get released because there's such a, a crowd favorite right then because a man is healed and they go back to their people. And you can imagine, how would you go back and say, guess what, guys? The good news is someone was healed. The bad news is they're going to kill us all. Woohoo! <laughs> if we ever speak in the name of Jesus again. How many know that wouldn't have created a great atmosphere, all right? Again, watch your words so carefully. Um, I, I just call the job of a leader. You're the number one. You're the chief, chief hope giver. Don't ever forget that. Whatever other job you have, your first and number one job is I am the chief hope giver. Everything else I do is secondary because if I don't give hope, uh, there's not going to be vision, cooperation, action, motivation, or anything else. So again, what do they do is they have a prayer meeting. And so let's just read these famous words. I'm reading from New Living Translation, uh, verse 23. As soon as they were free, Peter and John returned to the believers, told them what they had said, and they lifted their voices together in prayer to God, O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. You spoke long ago by Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle, and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, that's what has happened here in this very city for Herod Antipas and Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness. See, what's the opposite of intimidation? Boldness, okay? Boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the whole. They preached the word of God with boldness. Isn't that a great verse? I just love that. Now, what I want you to see, some keys for changing an atmosphere. Number one, they got it. They came together, and they lifted their voices. Now, I want you to just notice in the text, what does this mean? This means all of them were praying out loud at the same time. Now, I know there's many models of prayer that people do, and, and they're all good. And uh, many of us were raised in church that you had a circle and you prayed one at a time and so forth. But I just want to encourage you to look at that prayer model because I have found in most if you've ever been in a situation where you got 10, 15, 20 people praying out loud at the same time, the atmosphere changes faster. That's all I can tell you. When, when there is praise and there is bold intercession, praying in spirit, praying in tongues, when you are, there is something that accelerates the uh, manifest presence of God uh, in your midst. But even if you just have one prayer partner, uh, try this sometime, however you want to do it. Turn on the music and just say, before we ask anything from the Lord, let's just both together start thanking God out loud. Hallelujah, Lord, you're good. Again, you're not talking to each other, so it doesn't matter. You're talking to the Lord, but you're doing it together in a chorus 
your team, as we say it, your team tackling the devil, you're, you're uniting together and, and doubling your force and prayer. And um, that is powerful. That is very powerful. And again, for some of you, that is a stretch of faith, okay? You're introverted. You don't do those kind of things. Uh, but God can help you. Then notice you're going to really focus on scripture. You're going to focus on declarations and affirmations. And somewhere in there, you're going to bring up the cross and resurrection because that's our knockout punch. If, if you want to finally just knock out the devil, you know, take him back to the cross, to his worst defeat and remind him of how he was utterly stripped destroyed in his power at the resurrection of Jesus and lift that up. That is so powerful. Cry out about the blood, you know, just again, these are incredibly powerful weapons. Um, so first they begin to declare who God is. Now this is huge. This is praise and worship and you can do this with words or with uh, music. You are the sovereign God. You are the God who made heaven and earth. There is something incredible power, powerful in declaring the attributes of God. In fact, that's what they're going to come back to. They're going to come back and say, even the crucifixion, everything those evil people did, you know, seven weeks ago, whatever it was, everything they did then, it's the same as now. They were murderous. They did all this evil. But the truth was everything they did was what you already determined before in advance that would happen. What is he saying? And God, whatever they do to us, their authority is limited to whatever you've decided that they can do to us because you are in control. Isn't that powerful? So rather than fear them, we're submitting to you because God, you have the final say. That is an incredibly powerful uh, prayer. And then they quote scripture. Uh, you know, God, you said, why did the heathen rage? And why did the people vain imagine, babe? They're quoting the word. And, and again, we, we've said that around here a lot of time. But when the word in your hand becomes the word in your mouth, it becomes a two-edged sword. It's not just something you're, I, I've hidden in my heart. That's the first edge. I'm getting taught by the word. Now it be, now you get the other edge, which now it's a weapon against the enemy. And so you're using both edges of the sword by declaring it. It is written. All things work together for good. I can't encourage you to memorize scriptures enough, at least one a month. Could I just give you a challenge that you would memorize one scripture every month for the rest of your life? I'm telling you, that's like putting $10,000 a month in the bank because you're going to get a bigger return on, on that scripture in your, in your armory than you'll ever get on money so that you have it right on your tongue. You, you don't have to go look up in your Bible. You just, you just have it and you declare it. And then you make this bold request in the opposite spirit. Okay, the spirit here is intimidation. They said never speak in the name of Jesus again. The spirit at work right now in that environment was shut up, be quiet, give up and, and hide. 
And they said, God, we claim the spirit of God's opposite power. Give us boldness and give us tools to be bold, like healings and miracles. Completely disrupt the enemy's plan. What they're trying to shut down, multiply it a hundredfold. And evidently God really liked that prayer because instantly the whole place started shaking and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to see both sides of it. Being filled with the Holy Spirit and shaking the building go together. See, it's inward and then it's outward. So we're not, how, how is the how is the service tonight going to get shaken? We're going to be filled with the Spirit. If we go into I guarantee you, if I can get 25 people filled with the Holy Spirit coming into a room, we're going to have a move of God. Don't go into the service hoping for a move of God. Go take the move of God into a service. I say, don't come to church to pray. Pray while you're coming to church. That's just so simple, isn't it? But it's something people don't do. If you can get 20 people filled with the Spirit, walk before I walk through that door, I will have released heaven in my soul. Then when they get together, they start releasing it in the atmosphere, and some good stuff will happen. So now I'm going to ask Lynn if you could just put the questions also up on the screen. And we had a few questions and you can choose those. Always you can answer uh, what spoke to you the most. But a couple of these questions I had was, have you ever been in a dark mood and situation? And, and through coming into an awareness of God's presence, you were able to see a shift in the environment first in your heart. If you have a story like that, uh, was the question. During this pandemic, what have been some of the negative atmospheres you've most encountered? What things have you done to deliberately choose not to partner with the spirit of the pandemic? What tools have you had God show you to use to help shift things? Maybe it's a tool of calling a friend or playing worship music or uh, giving out food bags. I, I've seen a lot of people break the cycle, just giving out food. Uh, what benefits have you gained by going through the struggle? Instead of God just doing it for you, he made you to be the instrument of a shift. Why did that help you become a better person versus if God had just done it for you? Um, have you noticed an ability to add actions to your prayers? In other words, as you pray, I put those two together. There's almost always an action with that prayer whether that's getting together with someone or giving. And uh, what is an atmosphere? If you'd like to close with this, maybe pray a minute, but what is an atmosphere you would like to have others agree with you in prayer to change? Maybe it's an atmosphere over your kids, your job right now, uh, the thoughts you've been having over the last uh, days or something else. But why don't we just go ahead and apply it and pray for a shift of atmosphere for each other? Wouldn't that be good? So I'm going to invite... Uh, uh, Luann's going to send us to our breakout rooms and, uh, and we'll, we'll just discuss these. Thank you all. Lord bless this time in our groups in a beautiful way. Just continue to teach us what it means to be atmosphere changers for your glory in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Thank you all. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Pastor Dale's Leadership Podcast. It is our hope that you have been inspired in a great way. We encourage you to stay tuned for future content. May God bless you richly.